everybody, and welcome to Pod on the Time, your Pod on the Time, Pod on the Time, I don't even know the title of the bleeding podcast anymore. <laughs> welcome to Pod on the Time, uh, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, and I am joined by Sergeant Chris Woff. Well, I've been promoted Waffles. again. How are you doing? You've been promoted, yeah. I'm very pleased that I've been promoted. I feel I deserve it. You know, I felt I felt wronged by being uh, demoted last week. So, no, that's made me feel better. Thank you. Yeah, I had a word with GCHQ and they've pushed you up the ladder slightly. So. What's he done? What's he done to merit that? Nothing really. It's just kind of you know, it's like a it's a token promotion. Pat him on the back. All right, okay. Let good. him let him think he's doing a good job before we court martial him later on in the week. And as ever, joined by Mr. George Cog and George, how are you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know this wait, waiting, waiting, waiting for Godot. I've seen the play Waiting for Godot, and it did feel, you know, the whole point of it is, you know, this waiting won't ever end. And it, the Newcastle takeover has turned into Waiting for Godot, hasn't it? We're waiting. Yeah. We're waiting for Godot. Yes, it's becoming... Waiting. The, wait, uh, the waiting has become the thing, hasn't it? Waiting is have, the thing. Has this officially now drawn out? Um, so <laughs> I haven't counted the days actually, but you know, having you know, but all signs sort of told beforehand. Yeah, yeah, expect this to last up to thirty days. We must. Is it sixty days now? Is it up to that? It must be about that. It feels ridiculous now. It feels at least that, maybe double. It's nearly yeah. certainly nearly two months. Which I mean, which generally speaking tends to be sixty days or so, doesn't it, Chris? But um, <laughs> we can discuss that oh, at wow. greater length. Right, right. But, going uh, by the... start, yeah, we're starting with that tour now. Oh, okay. yeah. No, there's no by the Gregorian no. calendar of the day. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just interested. Yeah, just slightly. That just seems slightly petty, just for the sake of it. But but started um, with that tone. Um, well, it's I don't know. It's just like all of life sort of feels like this, doesn't it? It's like we're in this strange kind of limbo uh i mean albeit lockdown sort of easing a little bit now but we're still in this kind of strange sort of strange sort of situation where emotion is kind of heightened but we're all kind of restricted and it's all ugh, you know that kind of sense of frustration and you know yeah. this is just this is just has kind of kept pace with it hasn't it it's been sort of remarkable that um yeah. i mean if football had still been going on whilst this was happening you know there would still be an outlet for something, but there's just sort of no outlet for kind of anything at the moment, and that's kind of how it feels. You're sort of, yeah. sort of so helpless, and um, you know we're seeing a lot of stuff. We are seeing a lot of sort of stuff on social media at the moment about Newcastle fans sort of saying that they're they really feel like they're they're suffering at the moment, and the answer to that is probably not to be on social media so much. But um, mm, but yeah. you know we're just wait sitting, waiting, 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 waiting. How about you, Taylor? Well, I think it's. It, with this coming in at the same time as the coronavirus as well and everyone being locked down, I think if we didn't have that, I think if, if you know, if life was in some way kind of normal at the minute, then I don't think the feeling of kind of desperation for this to get finished would be as bad. I think people would just be allowing it to play out the best they could. But I think every day people are waking up, they're looking at their phones, they're checking, has it happened today? Is it going to be today? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? It's hard to keep going and... and and not having that outlet, like you're saying, football does give you that outlet, doesn't it? And when it's not here, it brings everything into sharp focus. Um, but I understand. I mean, I get it. I do get it. I know I've seen a lot of Newcastle fans and people who I know as well, personally, saying that, you know, this dragging on is affecting their mental health. And and I would say, you know, there's a good chance that it is. But I would say it's also 
the lockdown and stuff like that is a contributing factor to that as oh, well. So big time, we have yeah, to be big time. we have to be very aware of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I've had I've just had a week where I've I've sort of changed changed notifications on Twitter. So I mean I use this opportunity to, to sort of apologize to people, but I had to just change my settings so that I wasn't sort of seeing anything anymore because um it was sort of it was getting a bit overwhelming. And I don't mean that to sound sort of you know, ridiculously sensitive or or what? But I, I mean, I think I wasn't really sort of helping. I was sort of trying to sort of answer people's questions, but then it was just answering the same questions over and over again. In fact, if you look, if you look at what we've kind of done and what we've written, it's been very, very limited. I mean, I stand yeah. by everything that we've written, um, and then really, certainly for me, it's been just sort of trying to sort of explain stuff that I know or heard or think and things like that but it got into this cycle where really it was just the same sort of four or five questions over and over again and me being asked if I was confident and it's and kind of whatever I was saying it was seemed to be annoying um some people so I seem you know about sort of what what was it about 10 days ago people there were suddenly that flurry of stories saying that you know that the green light had been given by the Premier League and I understand I know where that kind of story has come from I mean I think it's the fact that um you know that that people have sort of been given you know tip the wink that everything was going to be okay but all I was saying in response to that was that well officially they haven't heard anything you know neither side have heard anything and it's the official thing that counts and I was being called a, a twat for saying that and then, yeah. you know, two or three days later, when the next bit of bad news and in inverted commas came out about another, you know, about more piracy issues, I was then being called a twat for sort of being too positive. And so my point about that is that I'm perfectly well aware that I'm a twat, but I just don't need to be reminded about it all the time. I mean, I'm confronted. It's not for those reasons, is it, George? It's I'm not confronted by that every time I look in the mirror. Trust me. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, no, that's a joke, and I'm not. I'm not being sort of. I'm not trying to be sort of oversensitive about that and all that. But I think I needed just a. Few, I needed a few days break. Man, uh, I don't blame you, man. Break, Some of the stuff I've that, seen but, um, coming in your direction has been pretty, pretty bad. I, I have to be honest. And there's a couple of times when I've tried to jump to your defence as well and say, you know, <laughs> what is it that you're actually hoping to achieve here by this kind of line of questioning to people? But you know, there's such a desperation for information. Isn't oh, there? And yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's the position that we're in at the minute, and people are just scrabbling around for the smallest yeah. little piece of of anything that they can find. I mean, I, I even saw people deconstruct your use of the word officially the other day. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck? Yes. Why can't you just... Why can't you just read it and leave it? Why does it have to be subtext and layers yeah. and levels to everything know, that's said, you know? It becomes monotonous after a while doesn't it yeah and again I completely sort of understand you know I do completely understand that and I wasn't you know there weren't kind of coded messages there really but what I was trying to say you know some of the journalists who sort of said um you know green light has been given and all that kind of stuff I mean I'm you know I know some of them and you know some of them are some of them are good at their job and things like that and so all I was trying to say there was that officially Nothing, nothing. I mean, as we've seen, you know, as we've seen in the in in yeah. the time that's passed since then, that official um, go ahead hasn't been given, and so 
it does remain with the Premier League. And so I wasn't trying to be clever there. I was trying to make the point that the money will won't start to move, doesn't start, you know, doesn't move until they've got the until they've got the official green lights. So I was being yeah. quite specific. People could read into that, and that's fine because what I was doing was giving leeway because I've heard the same things about, oh yeah, yeah, we you know, we've been told it's gonna be okay. I mean, I've heard that kind of stuff as well. I've how I have, however, reached the point where I'm sort of not that I'm not taking that stuff seriously or not that I don't kind of believe that. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think we're at the point now we need an official, you know, we need an official statement or we need an official thing to ha to happen before we move on to the next bit. I don't, I'm not going to report or, you know, make the mistake again of saying, yes, okay, it's all good. It's going to happen hopefully in a few days because I've, I've sort of made the mistake of doing that before um and i don't want to do that so we are at the stage where we just need you know we need that official confirmation to happen so but i mean hopefully hopefully we have other ways of of, of kind of giving a little bit of information out in this uh, in this podcast but it is kind of it feels to me like sort of everything at the moment is about that sense of you know that sort of sense of limbo would you say newcastle fans are desperate for a bit of closure here chris what do you think yeah i think i think everyone is is sort of desperate for a bit of closure, I had a I had a conversation with with someone yesterday, and they were they were saying to me as a Newcastle fan, they were basically saying that they thought that it would be wrong if the Premier League season was allowed to restart and 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 this takeover was still dragging on. Now, don't get me wrong, I think this should be resolved before then, but that they were sort of trying to argue that it would in some way impact in terms of in the integrity of the competition and and that you know because Newcastle players may be affected by it, or Newcastle as a club may be affected by it. Now, what I would say to that is that this takeover was going to happen in theory, during when a season was going on anyway. So the fact that it's dragged on throughout the whole of the coronavirus uh, yeah. lockdown and then could still, let's hope not, but could still in theory be going on uh, in two or three weeks' time when the Premier League returns, that that in itself, that's not the Premier League's fault. The Premier League need to get this right. They, I understand they want to 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 go through this and, and dot the I's, cross the T's, check legally that everything is correct. And this is seemingly the most one of the most complex if not the most complex deal they've had to be involved with now what what I think what I've tried to do over the last few weeks in terms of the way that, that I've, when I've tried to respond to people is that I don't want to pretend that, that there are certain things to, with this which we simply don't know and we simply don't know which way the Premier League are going to go I've spoken to people who, who know far more about the process than me who know far more about owners and directors tests than me we've spoken to people on the buyer side now all of them the vast majority of them are confident that this is likely to go through but at the end of the day this is still with the Premier League and we just unfortunately just don't know it'd be nice to have some sort of closure because yeah. it has left Newcastle very much as a club in limbo we wrote about it a few weeks ago and it's only just extended further I mean Mark Gillespie who I wrote about in the piece a few weeks ago uh, the Motherwell goalkeeper who was in talks to join Newcastle before yeah. uh, before this happened and before lockdown. He has now been released by Motherwell, so he is a free agent. Wow. So this is this is actually a, a, affecting people as well. I do, I, I'm not sure whether new owners necessarily would sign him or not, but Steve Bruce what, did seem to want to bring him in as, as third-choice mm. goalkeeper. Obviously, at the moment, that hasn't happened. He's uncertain about his future. So this does affect a lot of people's lives, and it would be nice to just get some sort of closure just so we can all move on. It would be it would be lovely to move on because it has just... it's 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 become... Interminable now it really has just just kept going on and on and on. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. What I, th I think with regards to the owners and directors test, you've heard a lot of people talking about it and whether it's fit for purpose or not and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think what this is probably going to lead to. I mean, personally, I think the takeover will go through. That's that's my gut feeling on it. But I think it's going to lead to massive change. 
Um, and I think the the process that owners, potential new owners and directors have to go through in order to purchase clubs, I think that process is going to change dramatically. I think you'll see it. I mean, I just don't know because I, it's it, we just don't know. We know, you know we're not seeing this process, so you know we haven't seen any part of it. Um, and I mean, I can understand that you know there are business reasons why people can't say anything, whether it's non-disclosure agreements and things like that. But it just seems to me there should be a little bit more transparency so we know what's actually happening. I mean, I would like that. I think then what I would expect to happen, and this is only my, again, this is ju- this is just my kind of guesswork here or just my assumption, but I think this this particular transaction has been so complicated and so fraught with... Um, you know, there's been emotive stuff about human rights, and then there's also been very complicated business stuff involving piracy and, um, you know, Qatar and and Saudi and things like that. And I just think the Premier League will feel obliged to say something. I mean, I think that'll probably be when it's all over. But I think they'll have to sort of talk through the process and what they've done and why they've decided. It. I th- and again, this is this isn't this isn't particularly on the basis of conversations I've had with people I think one of the com- complexities at this moment is that they all want the decision to be absolutely watertight because if you've got be in sport complaining very vociferously as they have done about piracy um, then they won't want there to be room for them to mount a sort of legal challenge and I mean that may prove to be impossible and equally if they turn it down, I don't think they will. But if they turn it down, that um, you know, there is there is certainly a chance that a, a you know decision could be appealed or tested in yeah. court and, and things like that. Again, that's just my that's my that's my feeling. That's not based on conversations I've had. But you know, I think again, I think the frustrating thing is that these are about institutions that we feel very close to, or you know, we should do in a perfect world, and the, you know that we that we think are ours. You know, we think of them as ours. You know, they belong yeah. to us, even if somebody else owns them. And I think the horrible thing about this process is that, again, we're the last people to hear about it, or the last people to understand what's actually happening. And that's, I think, that's part of the frustration. It would be, you know, too much in football is is sort of done behind closed doors. There's this paranoia about telling people stuff, or there's paranoia about using kind of English language and, you know, language that we can all understand. It's the same whether it's about the money that's spent. It's the same when it comes to transfer fees and talking about that. You know, we've talked about fans forums and things like that, about the language clubs use when, you know, we're all human beings and there's no reason to speak to us as if, you know, as if we're not not human beings. And it feels like it's the same with this, that there's no transparency in the process. That's the bit that I would like to change. Yeah, there's a few other things going on in the background as well, isn't there? I know Amanda Staveley's in the in the process of uh, of dealing with a, a pretty high profile court case against uh, Barclays as well. Um, and and is that going to have any kind of impact on this, George? You know, well, I mean, I think that's a good point. There there is that you know when I said it's impacting on everybody, it it really is. I think it's impacting on all sides. Um, her her court case with Barclays, it's a long-running, a long-standing dispute she's had with them, and that is due to come to court very, very soon now. And there was a, you know, there was an assumption, which I think was a fairly safe one, that it would be Newcastle would be done by now, it would be up and running, they'd be in there, and you know, making decisions. And it now feels like 
those two things are going to be overlapping, which is not ideal. And then, you know, you look to you look to the other side of the club, you look to the football side of it, and obviously players are back now and staff are back now, and you still just have this uncertainty looming above you know above the place and it's i just don't think it's fair for anybody i mean again i understand i understand that there are reasons for it and um you know there's not a lot anybody can do about it but um steve bruce you know still hasn't had a conversation with mike ashley certainly hasn't had a conversation with the uh prospective owners and i mean i had a chat with him over the weekend just about we did a there was uh Stu james uh, one of our writers did a big piece about managers in lockdown and what they've been doing, and he spoke to a he spoke to a manager from all top five divisions, and I spoke to Steve, and so it wasn't you know, it wasn't about anything anything to do with takeover or anything like that. But I mean, I have think they the, all been the, have they all been repairing ugly fences and stuff, or is that, is that uh, just there was a some thing? Um, <laughs> there was some quite interesting. Some, some people have been doing some. Uh, Ian Holloway, as you might imagine, had, uh, oh God, had been doing some interesting things. He'd he'd taken up picture framing. Wow. Okay. Which is quite quite nice. Um, and he was he was he was very oh, funny God. about well not very funny he was like kind of quite he was quite scared about the sort of um, you know about the future of football particularly at, at the level that uh, that he's at at Grimsby um, mm. and you know Steve Steve talked about everybody having a you know reboot everybody feeling like you know this is a reboot for society and life and that he's been watching the news every day and sort of consumed by it and yeah. Um, you know, and he said, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be comfortable in a group for a long time, and sort of all those things you take for granted, and certainly all those things you take for granted in in football. You know, that idea of actually being with people has sort of changed. But um, anyway, I, I, what I was going to say there was that you know, perhaps in some ways, it's you know, at least it means he can't have kind of un, uncomfortable conversations with. Um, journalists anymore in the sense that he doesn't know anything so he can't sort of say anything um yeah but you know i've spoken to and you know chris and i have spoke speak to and have spoken to kind of lots of people around the club at sort of all levels and i don't know i i'm i'm sort of my concern is that and and again a concern that's been expressed to me is that players and this is not to have a go at newcastle's players who are you know who I really like and admire and respect for all you know their, some of their limitations. You know I think they're good good people. But what you try to do in football is get players away from being in an environment where they have any excuse. Now, clearly the normal rules of football are gone. I mean again that's the same for absolutely every every team in the in the country at the moment. Um, so you know. Of course, there are excuses to use. That's not the right word, but of course there are when you're thinking about your own health and the health of your family and health of your friends and and your own health and you know that that kind of stuff. But you know this sort of uncertainty around uh, the manager's position, I don't think is helpful. And you know I've spoken to people who've been in the game for all their lives, and they sort of say, well, you know, if players can see that the manager may not be there long term, then you know, there is that tendency. You might just slack off if he just loses that bit, tiny, yeah. tiny bit of authority. It might be completely um, subconscious, a sub- completely subconscious thing. Mm. But what you don't want is Newcastle coming into these remaining games, you know, in a strong position in terms of where they are on the table, but being two or three, four percent beneath where they should be, and 
and then losing two or three games in a row. I mean, you don't want that. Um, you know, we've already seen strange results in the Bundesliga, lots of injuries. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, things like that. And so when I say it's impacting everywhere, I do think it is. I think it's really, you know, there could have been a chance for it all to be, I mean, it still could be done before football starts, but, you know, that idea that there would be kind of momentum behind the club, even if nothing really changes, um, yeah. because because new owners kind of can't really get in and do very much at the moment, you know. Yeah. A sense of limbo carrying on doesn't help anybody, I don't think. I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but I I, I certainly noticed this in the, in the early parts of the season and when the games that happen in August. Sometimes it doesn't things don't feel quite right and things haven't settled down. Teams haven't found their rhythm yet, and you do get some different results, some interesting turnups happen, and and this is potentially what could happen now with this extended break that we've had and, and teams coming back. You could find that, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't go and beat a Man City or, you know, a, a Liverpool could get a could get beaten off somebody else lower down the table. These these sort of results do tend to crop up after footballers have had a long break, don't they? They do, but because this is Newcastle United, my immediate inclination <laughs> is to think that, that they could go on a four-game losing run and suddenly that 35 <laughs> points at the run where everyone's safe, suddenly you think, oh gosh, because mm. I was actually having this conversation with someone the other day because it's always just been the bottom. I mean, I mean, I do think Newcastle are just about safe. I do think they will be safe, and I don't think there'll be two, any issues. Two wins, some, I would say. I would say two yeah, wins. But, so, or, but, so, but someone was saying, imagine if Newcastle, say, lose the first two or three, get a shellacking in one of them, and say Villa win three games in a row, then suddenly you think, oh, blum and neck. So it is, it is important that they just get there, because everyone is 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 restarting from from nothing. I mean, in theory, Newcastle looked like they were starting to play a new brand of football. Looked like they were starting to be a bit more expansive, but all that's gone. All the idea that such Man United were in form or whatever because it won however many games. Well, there's now a three month break and it is the longest break there's ever been in football just about I think it's been 100 days or whatever from one to the other and so it, it is it is completely it is completely different and teams are going to have players come back from injury Martin Dubravka wouldn't have been available before uh, if, if for the initial Sheffield United tie looks like he will be back he should be back and, and available Newcastle in theory at the moment have just about a fully fit squad so you've got different uh, players there the likes of Paul Dummett actually could have, in theory, been fit, but we. I'm still not 100% certain if they've decided on what exactly is going to happen with the squad. So at the moment, he isn't actually eligible to play in these final eight games, even though, in theory, he's back fit. They may extend the squads and let more people in, but I'm not sure on that yet. But but just And then Newcastle, yeah, it is more of this idea of even more uncertainty and just wondering how it'll affect the players. And in general, everyone at the club, I mean, some people are still on furlough at the club they're not yep. entirely sure yet when, when they're going to be back and again that's something which although we know that prospective new owners wouldn't necessarily be able to come in and change everything it, they would likely or odd sand was that we're going to bring people back off furlough and so that wouldn't have been able to drag on so it's people the people in and around the club and it, it, this goes on to I suppose another issue which is going on at the minute which rightly uh, it's starting to get a bit more media coverage in the last few days. We had a season ticket survey a couple of weeks ago, which was about a week and a half ago, which uh, Matt Woosnam, our colleague, orchestrated, but basically trying to find out from clubs in the in Premier League and the EFL what exactly is happening in terms of season tickets and potential refunds mm. and things like that. Yeah. And at the time, Newcastle didn't have an answer, but now, subsequently, we've had it confirmed that certainly the remaining nine uh, sorry, remaining five games of, of this season that would have been at St. James's Park are going to be behind closed doors. And mm. still there is no answer from the club as to what is going to happen there. But you have to remember, not only are we not getting answers, but when people try and 
contact the club. You've got to remember most of the box office staff are, are, are on furlough as well, so you can't even get yeah. answers in that respect. So these have this has an impact so much further than that. And I do think that the season ticket situation is something which needs to be addressed immediately because I just again almost certainly the the, the takeover is impact on that. And I do understand the difficult position that the club are in to a degree there. But now we know certainly this season. I mean, the fact that that some people on long term season tickets have already had money taken out for next year I think is, is, three, is, is three questionable three direct debits three yeah. direct debits have been taken now for, 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 yeah. for, the, for this for, for this season we know those five games they are not going to be there for those five games so what 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 is going to happen are they going to get a refund when are they going to get a refund what is going to happen well, they with have it to. they have to get a refund don't they, they have, you, you can't keep that money well I, 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 cer- I certainly agree that something needs to happen whether that's a monetary refund or whether, whether I know some other clubs have given the option of and so more in case this tends to be lower down in the leagues but where it's like well rather than do you want to just keep that money in the club because obviously we're going to be struggling financially it'll be slightly different for a Premier League football club but but just are there yeah. even going to be options on this are there going to be or do you want that taken off next season's season ticket or whatever or do you want these options at the moment there is just no clarity whatsoever and, and fans mm. certainly some who've been furloughed or who've lost their jobs <clears> and are in very difficult financial circumstances I can entirely understand why they are so frustrated by yeah, this yeah. and they just want some sort of clarity on the situation sports direct what? vouchers that kind of thing do you reckon that's yeah the, that would be the refund it, <laughs> it it does it does sort of just feel like the club you know the club as it is presently formulated has kind of just given up and i'm not saying that they i'm not saying that they have and i'm not saying that that's fair but that's certainly how it feels that there's just this it's shut down completely yes okay you know the players have started to come back but just this sort of extraordinary silence just about everything and again going back to what what I was saying earlier you know a football club should be a living breathing organism it's a living breathing thing that we all invest in that we all want to feel part of and stuff like that and it closing up again I I mean it's it has historically traditionally done that under under Mike Ashley I mean that's not that's not a new thing but sort of now more than ever it's you know you look or you would hope to have a bit of leadership and a bit of responsibility and just a bit of communication and a bit of TLC towards fans, even sort of saying, yeah, okay, you know, we we acknowledge this is happening. We acknowledge money is coming out of your account and we don't know what's going to happen next. So this is, you know, this is what, you know, this is what we're planning or, you know, we haven't forgotten about you. Even just saying that, you know, we haven't forgotten about you and we haven't forgotten about this. Um it's that's the sort of you know that's the sort of shame of it uh, one thing i mean one thing that you know that i think is sort of quite interesting and and quite pertinent is that now that um you know once the agreement was made between the two sides the the you know Stavely's group and ashley communication hasn't stopped between them and they are liaising over various issues now i bollocks yes, he issues Bollocks. <laughs> ah, we're going to have to re-record the whole they- podcast now. I'm so cross. <laughs> I'm so cross. Oh, wonderful. Issues. Oh, are they talking about issues, George? Is that ah, what it is? <laughs> so angry. So angry with myself. Oh, oh, it's dear. not your fault, George. It's not your it fault. It is. Well, it is. Yes, it, it is, is my it is fault. fault. It is. It Whose is. fault is it? it? Is. And I've not even said it. I say issues too much as well anyway, and I haven't said it for the whole podcast. I'm, oh, I'm gutted. How dare you sully my good name by spreading your slanderous filth? So, for example, say Alan Shearer still played for Newcastle. I wish he did. But say Alan Shearer <laughs> played yeah. for Newcastle and, you know, wanted a new contract. 
that kind of needs sorting now, but chances are it's going to be new owners who are going to have to pick up the pieces for that. Well, so what I'm trying to say is Mike Ashley isn't going round left, right and centre giving people new contracts and to hell with the consequences. There is yeah. There are discussions between the two sides about okay, this is something that's going to be needed, you know, that's going to need to be addressed quite soon. And, you know, I'm not saying that all of those things are football related, um, but the fact that those conversations, I think, is interesting, you know, that they're happening is interesting, but it's also a sign that there is a recognition that, um, I mean, they're going to need to be decided by somebody somewhere down the line, but, you know, they're happening. So I think that's, you know, I think that's quite interesting. Well, Shearer is owned a phone call by Mike Ashley, isn't he? Shearer is. I wish I'd thought of a better example than that. But, you know, but but there are <laughs> things, you know, the, 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 the club is still, the, the club is still functioning in, in some way, shape or form. But we are in this absolutely weird, 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 weird and really difficult situation where, whereby a decision being taken now is going to have repercussions to for other mm, people yeah. and but at least at least there is recognition of that so it's interesting as well though, isn't it because there's a there's a number of Newcastle's players who are in the squad who were on loan people like Danny Rose uh, Nabil Bentaleb, Valentino Lazaro, these are all players who are here on loan and you would imagine those loan agreements would have to be discussed and renegotiated and all that sort of stuff. And of course, you've got the looming issue of Matty Longstaff's contract as well. So there's things that have to be sorted out. Um, and like you say, there's, there's business deci- decisions that have got to be made. I nearly did, did an excuse there, George. Business decisions <laughs> that have to be made. So you would you would hope that the, the two sides are, are, are speaking, uh, speaking about these things and and that some kind of agreements can be uh, can be sorted out. Um, what I do have to say before we go any further is that at the moment, uh, theathletic.com are offering a 30-day free trial with the Premier League restart just around the corner. Uh, it's worth checking that out and keeping up to date with all the latest news uh, and issues surrounding your club. Uh, make sure you, uh, you go on Newcastle... Uh, and make sure you go on Newcastle. What am I talking about? Make sure you go on, make sure you go on www.athletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Make sure you go on Newcastle. Yeah, go on Newcastle. That's, <laughs> I'm really taking to this hosting again. malarkey, aren't I? That's, yeah. You're pissed again, oh, aren't you, I've been Taylor? pissed all morning, George. Sorry. You've got a big week coming up as well, George, George haven't you? You've got a little, uh, oh, a little, a little birthday on the it. horizon, haven't you? Come hey? off it. It's not, it's not hey. a little no. birthday. Hey, the big Hawaii, isn't it? Eh? Oh, come on. Hey? You're better You're better than this. No, you're not. I don't no, no, that. I'm not. You no, know I'm not better not. than this. Come no, on. No, you're not. No. Are you excited? What's, what no. are you getting? Are you getting anything nice? No. <laughs> no. No comments. Lockdown. Lockdown. Are you going, Lockdown. What, are you going to Metroland? Are you going to Metroland and then McDonald's for your birthday? Going to, I'm going to full lockdown on this subject. I'm not acknowledging it, <laughs> and I am not commenting either way, so... Nothing to say about. Move on. To be honest, George, I, I think you look well for seventy-two. I don't think there's, I don't, you know, I think that's pretty good. You've done well there. I feel like I've been the sort of bully, bully of this show. Not, not. I think I'm just grumpy, like grumpy old man. But um, I'm getting a taste of my own medicine now, a bit, aren't I? And it does not taste good, does it, George? No, no. it's very sour. It tastes very sour. <laughs> yes, I do have a birthday coming up, and I'm oh. not. It's. I had lots of big. I was going to say I had lots of big plans for it. I really didn't because all I ever do <laughs> is turn my phone off and go and go and walk up a hill in the Lake District and try not to fall off and and pretend that I'm kind of contemplating the meaning of life but I kind of come down pretty much the same 
still as unpleasant as ever. And um, so, what are you going to do? Just sit in the house with the cats? Might just do that. I'm contemplating yeah. uh, now that we can go uh, to the beach. I might, um, I might go, go up into the wilds of Northumberland, and uh, that's a great idea. Walk towards the sea and possibly keep walking. Oh, Reggie Perrin kind of moment there. Lovely I might stuff. do that. Of course, typically it's 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 due to rain. It's due to rain on birthday, but there you go. I was going to say all these pictures we've seen of beaches down south being crowded and people being out and and not not observing social distancing, and then if you go up to sort of uh, you know Beedenell or somewhere like that, it's just completely deserted. It's lovely up there. Oh, beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes, what about you, Chris? What are you doing with your week? Are you doing anything different this week? Uh, well, in terms of big birthdays, my dad's 70th today, actually. So, um, Did you get him anything nice? He's, he's, he's in lockdown, so I was at the butcher's earlier to get him some... Uh, to get him, to, <laughs> to get him some supplies. Wait, to get him some... <laughs> sausages. I, got him some, I did get him some sausages, indeed. Sausages. Sausages. Um, but yeah, what so flavour sausages? See, I think I got him two types. I think there was a, a hot, spicy Italian. Hot, That's hot a sausage. Oh, sausages. Sausages. That's <laughs> a good and, a hot, spicy Italian sausage. Yeah. And an old spot, I think. Uh, what? So I think I think an it's a type spot. of pork. I think. Bless your dad. Well, pass on, pass on our best regards to your dad as well, because that's a general, that's a decent general waffles. One, isn't it? General it? waffles. Yeah. I think it makes George feel better knowing that someone else is going to be older than him this week. So um, having a high, a bit of birthday, the bigger number. So yeah, I was speaking to my dad yesterday actually, and he's he, he kind of puts me to shame. His lockdown thing that he does. My dad loves going out and hiking and walking and stuff like that. And um, I went round on Saturday and seen my mum and just had a had a quick chat with her and I said, oh, where's my dad? She went, oh, he's out doing a walk. He's been out since five o'clock this morning. And as we were talking, he turned up in the car and uh, and I said, and where have you been? He says, oh, I couldn't really be asked today, so I just did nine mile. <laughs> he's oh, 72. Wow. He's oh, 72. He just done nine mile. Wow. Couldn't be asked. Okay, so have we got any, uh, is there any other interesting articles or any pieces coming up this week that you would like to mention or discuss? Well, Chris did a piece on Newcastle's finances, so I think he should he should talk talk about that while we nod and pretend to understand what he's talking about. Mm, I mean, I have yeah. to pretend that I know what I'm talking mm, about as well at the same mm, time, and so I've, mm, I've written, mm, two, I've written mm, two financial articles mm, over the last few mm, years, which is yes. very, mm, very... Mm. Uh, Yes, uh, mm. this this is exactly what George was like when I was running mm. things by him as well mm. when I was trying mm. to chat. Sure, 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 sure. But no, come so, on, this is important stuff. This is important yeah, stuff. Yes, go on, Chris. No, so the f- the first one was uh, I did a piece with Matt Slater, uh, who works for the Athletic as well, is and knows more about this sort of thing than me. And essentially, I wanted to answer the question. It's almost become. Uh, accepted or just people just think that it's true that there is no it's basically that that the reason that P, that PIF are involved in the prospective takeover of Newcastle is largely to do for it's like marketing purposes essentially reputational this is that oh, obviously the accusations of sport washing so i wanted to answer the question well is there actually an economic argument for them trying to get involved in buying Newcastle is there is there that element to it it may not be the only element but is there that element so I did a sort of, it was a long read and we essentially looked through PIF and the, the what is, for a start, what is the public investment fund? What is um, a sovereign wealth fund for, for a nation, which keeps getting being talked about? And just looked at where other investments they've made and where Newcastle may fit into that. Is it Could Newcastle appreciate in value? Could, in theory, in the long term, there be a return on their investments? And, and I think... It sort of came to the conclusion. I didn't try and make out as if this was was, was exactly the reason why they wanted to necessarily get involved. But seemingly, having spoken to people and and, and having spoken to people on their side, 
basically, in the long term, if this is a long-term project, Newcastle could be worth a lot more than what they are paying for and what they potentially invest. But the be-all and end-all, really, is continuous success, and that involves Champions League football. The Champions League is a game-changer. It's a game-changer in terms of prize money. It's a game-changer in terms of changing commercial deals and things like that. So if, essentially, in that sense, success breeds... uh, breeds growth on the economic side as well. And so if, if PIF do ever want to see a return on their investment, really they need Newcastle to be successful. Speculate to accumulate. It's that it's that old thing. And it is that thing about, you know, the, the, that very frustrating thing with Ashley that, you know, albeit we've seen the financial uh, results recently where Newcastle are making profit again. They've, you know, it's a profitable football club, which is, which is unusual. And um, so in that sense, financially stable, but also incredibly reliant on TV money. And that sense of, okay, well, what could you do if you do invest heavily in the training ground, if you invest heavily in the academy, and you start bringing players through, and you start, I mean, that's always the idea of the academy, obviously, but, you know, you're bringing your own players through, but you're also selling those players on. It becomes about, you know, that, that kind of production line at the same time growing every area of the club, making it bigger, making it more successful, making it generate revenue and it brings more money in, you spend more money and it grows and becomes worth more. That's always the thing, that's never that's never been the thing that Ashley has kind of seen. Um, it's kind of all been based on TV money and player, you know, players moving on and um, they will make no bones about targeting the Champions League uh, the 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 you know the new owners or prospective new owners I guess we still have to call them um, and yeah and then the club you know there is still a lot of room for growth in terms of how much the club is worth and it has a lot of things you know it had a lot of great things already there in terms of number of fans um, you know the stadium itself. Um, but there is still, you know, there's still a, you know, there's still a long way. I mean, if you know, if the club is worth three hundred million now, it's not, you know, you you look at the worth of clubs like Tottenham. Who did you see how much they were worth, Chris, in the latest report? That was it? Uh, well, were, were according they, to, well, Q, I spoke to Kieran Maguire, who I'm sure many of you'll know, sort of price of football, a uh, university lecturer. Uh, in sports finance at, at Liverpool University, and he valued Spurs as, as being worth the most of all the clubs in in the, in the Premier League at the moment. A two point two billion um, wow. was was what he valued them at. I mean, he, he did coax that with. Uh, there is a sort of, and I had a few back and forth with people in the, in the comments actually about this because basically part of the reason why Spurs are worth so much is that they're in London and there is that sort of London premium and, and some fans who, who live in the North East say, oh, I, I never understand this, you know, North East is a beautiful place to live in. I 100% agree, I love living here, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to live anywhere else but unfortunately the premium doesn't just come because of that the premium becomes because people people want to invest in london it is this big financial hub and so that there is that sort of but even beyond that all of the all of the the so-called big six clubs are worth in excess of or he estimated were worth in excess of, of a billion so even if mm. uh even if several hundred million was to be invested on top of the 300 million uh asking price for the club then in theory if Newcastle were to be successful, they could appreciate significantly in value. Yeah, I mean, what what I will say, Chris, is I had a little read of that of that piece that you that you did, and when I say read, what I mean is I looked at the graphs because I love graphs. Graphs are brilliant, and you can get all of that information from those graphs without having to read all of the complicated words that go above and below them. Uh, 
But no, I one of the things that's... Sorry, go on, George. I love Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf. It's my favourite of all the graphs. Um, what I will say, though, is what something that struck me, um, and, and as a comparison that's been made over the years as well, and we're talking about Spurs there, when Mike Ashley took over Newcastle, the, our commercial revenue and Spurs' commercial revenue was pretty much on a par. I think we were kind of deking it out for which position in the in the so-called league table of that we were in. And uh, and then you look at the the growth that Spurs have had, and and then you sort of you know you analyze that and you compare it to Newcastle and it's just of a different world, isn't it? And and the 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 Champions League football and the years of that that they've had is obviously the massive contributing factor to it. But Newcastle could Newcastle could have been that club. I have no doubt in my mind that, and we didn't even need to spend that much money to achieve it. That's the problem. For me, always felt like a missed opportunity with Ashley. The fifth place season, we were so close. If they'd just kicked on, you know, signed a couple of great players, the, these are the missed opportunities, and this is why it's so frustrating. There's, I mean, I think in some ways those figures are, I mean, they are, you know, they are comparable. Of course they are, and it shows that they're not wholly representative in the sense that so much of Newcastle's stuff like that is outsourced now. And so when it comes to commercial stuff or when it comes to marketing stuff, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't be. Newcastle, there were, you know, we've been thinking about this this um, this subject a lot over the past kind of two or three months when it's, you know, when, when we're thinking about the end of Ashley. There was a moment when this idea of being self-sufficient was quite compelling and i remember i remember having those those kind of discussions when they were doing things at the training ground that in terms of recycling not recycling so much as uh you know energy stuff like they were drilling their own boreholes at the training ground to save money on water and <laughs> they they but quite i mean quite interesting cost effective stuff to use that word but but also sort of quite interesting they had this idea of being a self-sufficient football club. Now, when you look now, particularly with what's happening in the world at the moment, about you know how clubs have stretched themselves, um, uh, you know, and and put themselves in sort of financial difficulty, you can make quite a compelling argument. Now, never, Newcastle did not think this through; they didn't take it through. If Newcastle had been the self-sufficient football club, and we make our own players you know we bring our own players through that was again that was the intention right at the start um you know they they talked a lot about the academy but they haven't they just haven't fallen you know they just haven't kind of pushed it through but being self-sufficient financially doesn't mean that you can't do interesting things that you can't promote you know that you can't uh, do interesting stuff commercially and marketing, but what they've actually done is just cut, 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 outsource, 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 and so they're not spending a lot of money, and they're not bringing a lot of money in, and it doesn't have to. I mean, but you know, and they, you know, they had the idea of bringing in young players and then, uh, you know, selling them. So all that stuff about that sort of self sufficiency, I think you could have actually built a model um, that. I could have be believed in that people could have believed in fans could have believed in all right this is the way we're going to do it you know someone like Rafa could have believed in it as long as there was there was the odd exception um you know it's it's just that that vision was never really uh kind of taken as far as it could have done in in all areas of the club now i mean if if you look at commercial and marketing there was such an opportunity at the club i mean i if i if i'm if i'm if I'm in one of the stands and it's pre-match, I don't just want to like drink generic lager or eat a generic, 
you know, bur burger that's been made up of the scrapings from the abattoir floor. Why not? Why not get? Why not get the Geordie Banger Company in to provide sausages? Why not get yeah. in the Wyland Brewery to to <clears throat> provide beer? And it might just be in little stalls dotted around the stadium. But you know, yeah. you can have a really vibrant sort of match day support local industry supporting local businesses which the club have a part yeah. of makes everyone feel better and stuff like that and the club have just never done yeah. any of that kind of stuff there's a lot of that in germany as well when i've been over there to uh, to go and watch games and a few times in the past you do notice that a lot of the uh, the little stalls and stuff they have around are local breweries and local sort of uh, sausage merchants if that's what you want to call them Shock, shock. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think that is what we want to call them now. No, that's not uh, calling that. Then. Um, but it's the, but, yeah, it's a, and it's the same in America. You know, the experience yeah. it, within stadiums is just you know they celebrate stuff like that. Why you know why couldn't you know? Well, even if it's Greg's, I always I always make the point to people that I've, I mean when I go when I go to the game, if I go to the game, I, I very rarely I'm inside the stadium earlier than fifteen minutes before kickoff. If you made it so that the stadium is a place that people wanted to be for an hour, two hours before kickoff, to go and soak up the atmosphere, to watch the match build up, and to get all of that into their system, and then you know go into the stadium and enjoy the game, I think you'll probably see an improvement in the atmosphere. Uh, but definitely, the club's revenues would increase because you'd have people in the stadium spending money. As it goes, I'd rather stand in one of the local pubs and have a couple of beers in there beforehand because. The stadium's so overpriced and it's so dead and cold in there when you go in. There's just nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to go in there. Do you know what I mean? There's no reason to go in there until everyone else is in there, until the game's going to kick off. I would love well, to see them do something around that to give to just to to draw people in a bit more. You know, there's so much room. There's so much room to do things like that. And no, Absolutely. as you say, I mean it's 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 that sort of two hours two hours around a game on a Saturday that is kind of has often been the least enjoyable. You know, has often been the least enjoyable. People go part of it. People walking into the stadium feeling feeling deflated. Never mind on the way out because you because you because of the ownership and you don't buy into you don't buy into the club. But if you've actually got a reason, I mean, you know, there should be a way where local pubs and 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 bars can benefit from it as well. It's not about taking business away from them. But Definitely you know, not. if 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 local breweries have a have a presence inside the stadium and local food manufacturers. Mm. You actually want to be there. You want to get there early. You want to meet everyone. And as you say, yeah, if you've got like a vibrant, you know, whatever Newcastle TV, uh, you know, with lots of interviews with players on it and things like that, and or you know, you know, can you mascots. imagine if there was a, a sausage stall in there, you wouldn't be able to get waffles sausage. away from it, would you? You I'm, wouldn't be I'd able be, to get them away. I'd be worried about his cholesterol. <laughs> Productivity would be down certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's not a new thing, is it, Chris? Let's be honest. No. Uh, well, chaps, it's been a lovely, lovely chat with you. I think we're going to draw things to a close there. Thank you very much for your time, Chris. Oh, do you want me to respond to that, do you? Yeah, I was just, oh, uh, you know, like as a normal human being would when someone says. <laughs> well, thank you, you, do, to you them. just, you just, well, you just said Chris. You just, it was the same. And then I left the pause. I mean, so I, well, I was surprised when you called me Chris as well because I didn't even know that was my name. Oh, sorry. He was just. He was, is that better? <laughs> He was just thinking about sausages. He just hadn't moved on. It was just he just was, if Chris had a little thought bubble above his head, and it was just crammed with sausages. Sausages just dribble all down his t-shirt. Yeah. Chris, you know, George and I met for a socially distanced coffee this morning in the park. We did. It does sound as dodgy as it was, um, and 
he seems to. Ha- he, he he was looking through. He had. A, he took. A, he wanted to take a selfie of the two of us, and then he started criticizing. He said, well, "Why do you always pull that face?" To which I responded, "With that is just me smiling." <laughs> And yeah, he has, that is he your face, have, isn't it? Chris? Exactly. Yes, it's just he has face. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. That's, I can't. Yeah, I cannot yeah. do anything about that. Thank you, Chris. Thank you as well, Taylor. There we go. That's it. That's how we do it. Thank you for your time, George, as well as always. That's fine. And if we could all just now do a rendition of "Happy Birthday" to me um, on a count of three, that would be great. Okay. One, two, three. Goodbye, everyone. See you later.